Hello and welcome to my featured interview for Everything Acting Podcast. I am here with the wonderful, amazing producer slash star of Breakfast with Mugabe, Ezra Barnes. Welcome to the show, Ezra. Hello, Rosalind Coleman. <laughs> well, Ezra, what we do on this show is... <laughs> He's laughing because I'm also in the show. And this is um, shameless self-promotion. But when have you not known me to self-promote? Well, and uh, why should one not self-promote when something is good, right? As Breakfast with Mugabe. So why don't you tell us, um, uh, what is Breakfast with Mugabe? Because we are talking to people all around the world, and certainly in New York, Mm -hmm. who might not have heard of it. Uh, the, it's a play by the English author Fraser Grace, uh, and uh, it was written about five or six years ago. Um, uh, it, it is inspired by a report that Robert Mugabe, the despotic president of Zimbabwe, sought treatment for depression, and uh, also because he thought he was haunted by the ghost of a dead rival. Um, and he sought treatment from a white psychiatrist, and apparently he did not want to see uh, Zimbabwean um, black doctors because he didn't trust them, and uh, so he sought a white psychiatrist to help him. So Fraser Grace uh, was inspired by this um, to write a play, which is a fictional imagining of uh, what these encounters might be like. Um uh, and he's woven it into a, a larger um, uh, context of really the story of Zimbabwe. And the way he did that, in part, was by making the white psychiatrist not just a doctor, but also a native-born Rhodesian. So, in other words, a white farmer's son who grew up in Rhodesia, which then became Zimbabwe, and who is a, a, a white African in um, in uh, a new country in Africa that is led by Robert Mugabe. So, uh, and uh, one should point out that there are other two other characters in this play, and one of them is uh, Mugabe's uh, second wife, Grace, and that's the role that Roz plays, and she plays it beautifully. And Aww. <laughs> thanks, Ezra. The other character is a uh, secret serviceman named Gabriel. Um, Gabriel. Or Gabriel, <laughs> who really functions as a kind of angel of death, mm. I would say. Uh, his name is not coincidental. But uh, so that's the play. It's a four-hander, and Roz and I are doing it right now at the Signature Center on 42nd Street. And uh, we're really, really having a good time. Yes, we are. And part of one of the main features of the show is... Um, a little segment we like to call Making Your Own Way. And that's when actors really create opportunities for themselves. So how, Ezra, you are the star of this play Mm -hmm. and you are the producer, how did you create this opportunity? Um, It all started way back in fourth grade. (laughs) (laughs) When my friends and I started a secret film club. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was uh, called Botch Films, and it was that. That's that. Those were our last names: Barnes, O'Donnell, Cho, and Hoyt. So we came up with the name Botch. We didn't realize that to botch something was to mess it up. We just called it Botch <laughs> Films. But but the the truth is, um, 
I mean, I'm being a little glib, but but really, I've I've just been doing this ever since I was a kid. And the reason it was a secret film club back then is because we didn't we wanted something that was our own, and that teachers at our school wouldn't then say, "Oh, you can make movies. Why don't you put so and so in your movie?" And then we'd have something that was ruined. So so <laughs> right from the beginning, I was uh, creating and acting and directing and whatever else it took to do things. Um, so I really, uh, I have to say, I have not, um, I haven't changed what I do in all this time. Wow. However, <laughs> <laughs> that said, to produce a play off Broadway is, is another, uh, is another story entirely. Um, I came to this play in 2008 when I did the U.S. premiere of it in Pittsburgh. It came out of the Royal Shakespeare Company. So the first production was done in Pittsburgh at the Quantum Theater, and I was hired to play the psychiatrist in it. And I just knew, I knew from when I first read the play that it was compelling, and unlike so many plays that are done in America, because it's about Africa, it's about politics, it doesn't shy away from... It's not, a, you know, a kitchen sink drama. Um, and uh, so I said to the author, this should be done in New York. And uh, Fraser um, gave me a green light to put together a production in New Jersey, which Roz and Michael Rogers and Che Allende, the other actors, uh, and, and I were in. And it was directed by David Shookoff. Um, and from that, uh, Fraser came to see that show. And then I said, I'd like to option this and produce it in New York. And I hired a lawyer, uh, a, an entertainment lawyer named Carter Ann McGowan, who used to be my agent. And she drew up the papers, and I, put, I paid money to option the play. Then I had to figure out how to raise money. Because, uh, well, I didn't want to go ahead to raise money without having an option on it, because I didn't want to do the work and then have somebody else come along and say... You know, oh, what a great idea! I'm going to produce this. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to be legally set up first, mm -hmm. um, and then I, I approached a theater company in Brooklyn that I've had an association with, Piper Theater Productions, and I uh, said, "Can I raise tax-deductible contributions? Uh, will you be my fiscal umbrella so that I can get people to give me tax-deductible contributions?" Um, and that's then I went around and and started showing the play to people, and asking for their money. <laughs> now I have to say I have a career, I have a professional background in producing because I founded Shakespeare on the Sound in uh, Fairfield County, uh, Connecticut, and uh, was the founding artistic director and knew a lot about how to convince people that they needed to support theater. How is that the job that you got fired from? <laughs> Who told you that, Michael? <laughs> well, I can't wait because it really—if yeah. if it is—that's a great story mm. because I would like to know how you—if that hurt your feelings—and if so, how did you recover to get to this moment of success? It's a well, it's a great question, and and indeed, um, after it, it all went down. My friend Paul Hecht, uh, the wonderful actor, said that um, until you've been fired 
from a couple of jobs as an actor or a producer, whatever, you, you're not really in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that too. That's good. Now, but, but that being said, I can't confirm or deny that I was fired because we signed a confidentiality agreement when the thing came to an end. But I will say that I founded Shakespeare on the Sound in 1996. Uh, I produced 13 seasons of successful outdoor Shakespeare there, built an audience of well over 100,000 people. Wow. Including a lot of young people who had never seen Shakespeare. And I introduced them. We didn't dumb it down in any way. We did the plays. We didn't... Uh, we, but we placed a real premium on storytelling good, clear storytelling so that they weren't confused by some conceptual approach. Did you act in the plays as well? I acted in some and I directed some. I never did the same, I never did both at the same time except when I filled in one time for a fellow who got sick. Uh, but um, I created something with, and it wasn't single-handedly, but I was the artistic director, but, but we created an institution up there. That's amazing. What a huge success. Well, it came to a point, though, where, indeed, the board and I did not, the board of directors, because it was a not-for-profit, and I did not see eye-to-eye, eye, and we had differences of opinion. And it did get, um, it was not fun. It was very difficult. And eventually, we parted ways, um, and at the time it was, you know, because I put so many years into it, it was, uh, it was quite a loss. Mm -hmm. But the, the flip side is that it also, I, it also made me uh, look for new things, and one of those was producing Breakfast with Mugabe. So what was that? So after you sort of caught your breath and you started to recover, um, did your confidence take a hit too, or did you maintain that sort of? Because um, right now Ezra has like a boyish <laughs> joy around um, this production and producing, or or did you have to rebuild your your confidence? No, you know I don't I don't know that. I mean, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from what I did right and what I did wrong, and and I did I've you know I'm very lucky to. To uh, to be a reflective person mm -hmm. and to not to to examine what what happens um, and and that but that is something I've worked at because I don't I mean it's it's bruising and it's painful being in this business and you have to and I think if you if you are going to make headway you have to come to terms with how bruising and how painful it is. And you have to figure out what you need to do to move forward. Um, so my own, I think my own confidence in a way did not take a hit. I mean, my own sense of what I wanted to do and what I thought was worthwhile doing did not take a hit. I did have to regroup. Mm -hmm. I surely did. Wow. I'm so impressed with um, your ability to to sort of bring this um, thing to New York and to bring it to New York really a, a, in a top-notch way. Mm -hmm. You picked one of the most up-and-coming venues to have the show in. Um, what sort of challenges were there along the way? Well, that's that's really a huge a huge question because 
I had I embarked on raising money, but I didn't really have enough money to do a full off Broadway production. And but what I didn't want to do was uh, was put the play in a small venue. Uh, a rundown space or do a showcase which would be here and gone in three or four weeks and so you might you know it might have been terrific work and and we might all have still been in it and stuck with it but but it it's like a tree falling in the forest if nobody hears it does it make a sound and I knew that the the, the economics of producing theater in New York are very very difficult so uh, the way the, the off-Broadway production of Breakfast with Mugabe came about was that I had been in a play called Final Analysis a year ago, um, and uh, I knew that Ludovica Villarhauser, who had directed that, wanted to remount the show off-Broadway. So I proposed to her that we should rent a theater together, share the rental cost, and um, share the performances. So as opposed to each show doing, uh, as opposed to doing eight shows a week, we would split the eight shows, so four shows of Mugabe, four shows of Final Analysis uh, in a week. And by splitting the cost, we were able to rent a really great space for nine weeks and, and each do 35 performances of our plays, which gave us both the platform of being off-Broadway which immediately raised our visibility, being in the best, I think, the best new theater venue in New York, um, for sure, at mm -hmm. the Signature Center, mm -hmm. and uh, also having an extended run so that we could build an audience. So, so it really took some creative thinking, and also the new agreement with Actors' Equity, whereby you can be at the off-Broadway level and produce at that level without doing eight shows a week is huge because it allowed us to do four shows a week, uh, not have to carry the burden of filling the house eight times a week um, while we're building an audience. And I hope that after we finish our run at the Signature, we can uh, this play will go on to have another life in New York. It would be my dearest wish. Oh my God, wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome? So I have to tell you all, since you listen to this, that <laughs> Roz is terrific in this play. Aww. And she comes on, and <laughs> she uh, uh, Grace, the, the president's second wife, and Dr. Parrish, my character, have quite an interesting relationship, and, and it's really, really fun to do those scenes. And Roz has... Uh, you just have so much presence and authority. I don't really have to do very much at all <laughs> to feel like, <laughs> like like I'm meeting the queen. <laughs> I do enjoy pretending like I'm wealthy and like I have power. Well, some, I must say uh, it's very pleasurable to some, try to crush you. There's something that isn't <laughs> pretending about it because somewhere somewhere in there you do have the power. Uh -huh. Because, you know, and that's another interesting thing about um, actors. Mm -hmm. A lot of actors don't have power. Yeah, we feel powerless. And, and feel, and, and that mm -hmm. carries over into our work. Mm -hmm. But you've got to find some way to transmit power if you're going to be, if, if, I mean, because all theater is about who has power and who doesn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So there's something about the process of standing up for yourself in some way, say, by producing a play that you believe in, which, which is terribly important. And I think most actors, uh, I think all actors should produce. I really do. How did you, so you started sort of producing really organically in school, mm -hmm. and then um, what's your formal training? Tell us about your journey as an artist. Well, I went to Amherst College, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is a liberal arts college in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And it's very small. And I double majored in English and theater. Uh, I then got a job uh, on the road touring with the National Shakespeare Company, which is now defunct. That was 13 of us in a Greyhound bus. One of the actors was also the bus driver. <laughs> we would pull into a town. We'd unload the set. We'd load the set into the high school auditorium, the college theater, the community center, whatever it was. We would, uh, they would feed us dinner. We'd have about a half hour. We'd do the play. We'd put the set, everything back in the bus, <laughs> and we'd go to a motel. <laughs> and then the next day, we'd do it again. And, and I traveled the country. I saw, I guess, 46 states, you know. That sounds so fun to me. It was wonderful. It mm -hmm. was, I mean, but, you know, you have to be a certain age. Yeah, you do. Because your so. back hurts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, that set is heavy. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so I did that for a couple of years, and then I stopped off and visited friends who were uh, getting their MFAs in acting at the Denver Center Theater Company, at the National Theater Conservatory, also now defunct. Oh, yeah. Through terrible short-sightedness on the part of the Denver Center Theater Company. Mm -hmm. But I got, I got my MFA in acting at one of the largest most vital regional theaters in America. And, you know, it was a mixed bag, but the great thing was seeing um, really good actors at work and being taught by working actors. And then, you know, eventually we did small things in the productions uh, mm -hmm. with the company. But I'd say my training it goes beyond anything I learned in acting school. And, and in a way, one of the... Uh, I think that even though I don't make much money, in fact, I make very little money, my life is a continuation of the liberal arts education that I got at Amherst. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of like every play I do is about some different period in world history, mm -hmm. some different country, some, uh, you know, uh, just some different situation. So it's kind of like... You know, that's a real gift to, to be able to say, okay, for the next couple of months, I'm going to investigate what it's like to be, you know, um, uh, a white psychiatrist practicing <laughs> in Zimbabwe, in Harare. And we're going to <laughs> teach you, young man. <laughs> Not get schooled. <laughs> so, so I'd say really, you know, that, that college education was huge to me because... because you have to bring that same spirit of curiosity to to your work in theater as an actor or a director or a producer and look at each job as an opportunity to to learn about something new it's a, it's in a way it's a really wonderful life it is a wonderful life <laughs> tell me about your um Upbringing, like I noticed, your mom came to the show and mm -hmm. she was so supportive of you. What kind of 
uh, background do you have? Um, your mother, your father. What did you? Are they artists? Yeah. Um, are, oh, they are. Tell tell me about it. Well, my dad was a, an educational filmmaker. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. He made like a lot of the films the for the humanities uh, series uh, for Encyclopedia Britannica. So films that were shown in schools, um, oh. films about art history, about. Uh, Poets about mm-hmm. um, he he adapted Shakespeare. Um, he wow. did you know films about uh, Chart Cathedral. Were you ever in any of them? I was in a couple, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's so great. I played uh, John Keats at the age of eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a spoiled American tourist uh, in Venice. <laughs> that was a really non-acting. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the again, you know, I'd say. Uh, and my mom is, uh, my dad died in 2000. My mom is a violinist. She wow. never played professionally. She played in orchestras in Brooklyn and she always played music. So we were all, we were given a, an extraordinary upbringing because uh, we used to travel to where my dad was filming and he worked all over Europe. Um, wow. Uh, my brother and sister were born in London. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister is an opera singer and a sculptor. My brother is an astronomer, and he's a professor at the University of Hawaii. Oh, man, yeah. I never knew this about you. This is fascinating. Well, the, the, you see, the thing is, none of us, um, we, we really were always just doing what we loved. And nobody ever said, for better or worse, and I'm not necessarily condoning it, but nobody said, you know, you have to make money, you have to get a, a good-paying job. It was... Do what you love, and we'll try to help you out as much as we can. Wow. And and that's, I mean, I've got kids of my own. I have a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old, a boy and a girl, and, and I sure hope the same for them. So they, we have listeners all over the world. Um, what advice would you offer to um, someone in, I don't know, another country, or, or someone even here in America who's hoping and wishing and dreaming to one day be in New York and be on the stage and and um, have wonderful reviews and <laughs> and the experience that you're having now. Um, well, about reviews, uh, my my skin is thick <laughs> 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 because I've gotten I've gotten some very um, uh, mean spirited reviews, which I've read. Really, not, not for this production. Oh. Oh. Not from Mugabe, oh, but I'm saying I, I'm saying in my career, and oh, yeah. you know, at the time they were devastating. But, but in a way, now I've found actually that I can read them, and yeah, they stay with me, good or bad, for a few hours, and then they kind of just pass out of my system, which is wonderful because then I don't really think about them anymore. Um, so I think you, you know, uh, but it, but it all goes back to a central thing, which is, how are you going to develop your own aesthetic and decide what is meaningful to you and what you care about in terms of doing theater or making movies or whatever it is? Because I think, you know, I've pondered, um, I've auditioned for a lot of commercials and booked hardly any. And I wonder if on some level I just don't like it. <laughs> I mean, it's do you know possible. what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I like the, the money. The money is great. But mm-hmm. but on a certain level, 
maybe that's not what I'm cut out to do. Maybe what I'm cut out to do is to uh, nurture a project like Breakfast with Mugabe and bring it to fruition. I think um, I, I, it's, it's far more satisfying than... If you want to be an actor, don't just audition. Absolutely not. Don't just wait for other people to give you a job. Do things. I founded two theaters, and now I've produced Off-Broadway. You have to do things that you believe in and stand behind it. And do not wait. Do not wait for the, for the, the seal of approval of others. Because another interesting thing, I think, that I'm learning, especially from producing now here in New York, is you might have a great project, but people don't necessarily want to open the door. Because if they open the door, that means they're letting someone else in. So you kind of have to open the door yourself. I really do think, and, and like, I believe the world is, there's a flow in the world, and and there's opportunity, but I also do believe that producing movies and plays is so much fun that, of course, oh. we're selfish about it. So, I mean, <laughs> I would give you a slot, but I want it myself, <laughs> yes. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's because as, as soon as you produce something, you become addicted to it. Yes. And yeah. so it makes total sense to me that people... Um, that people don't want to share. I don't think... Yeah. Like, I look at Hollywood, and some people are like, oh, well, Hollywood is full of white boys, and they don't... And I'm like, they're just like everybody else. They want to tell their own stories <laughs> yeah. about yeah. themselves, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like I do. Sure. <laughs> if Absolutely. I was there, I would want to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it is... You know, the mm-hmm. other thing is, it is mm-hmm. really fun to produce your own work, or produce work, mm-hmm. let's say. Let's put it that way. Because you get a whole sense of, of what what goes into it and you also come to a broad appreciation of all sorts of skills that you are not aware of if you're solely an actor tell me about um because you hired some of the best people i have worked with in terms of some of the other jobs that don't appear on stage so why don't you tell me about some of your favorite hires and what thinking went into those hiring those people wow well, I... Who do, you, who do you like the best? <laughs> Not actor. <laughs> uh, here's, here's something I, I, which I believe in. I believe you should hire somebody and you should encourage them to do their job and encourage them to express their opinion and let you know what they're thinking and what they care about. So, so we hired a wonderful general manager, Lisa Dozier, and uh, I just, I defer to her advice all the time. I say, what do you think? What, you know, what's your, what's your sense based on your experience? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't, I mean, I rarely try to micromanage. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I just can't stand it. I don't like being micromanaged. I want somebody to hire me and encourage me and support me and um, and help steer me when I'm going off. Uh, with David Shookoff, who... Uh, David came to the... He's the director of the play of Breakfast with Mugabe. He came to it because um, I gave the play to Michael Rogers, who plays Mugabe. And I said, Michael, you and I should do this play. 
And Michael read it, and he said, I think I know who sh we should get to direct it. And he said, David Shookoff. And I said, oh, I've known David for years. I tried to hire him to direct for me in Connecticut. Um, I would love that. So we brought the play to David, and we said, please read this and let us know if you'd like to work on it with us. And David was all for it. And uh, there was no, you know, so there was a very collegial building up of trust and collaboration that went into it. Um, there, and and uh, David has simply been tremendous in terms of his determination and his standards about how he wants the play done and the kind of uh, production values he thinks it needs and the attention to detail. And so, I mean, that's just a huge gift. And it didn't, it, it comes from talk and collaboration. It doesn't come from testing people. It comes, uh, it's, it's, so I, I really look for people who enjoy the job and who collaborate. Um, the stage manager, Gary Adamson, I'd worked with him before. I thought he was terrific. Um, I met the assistant stage manager at a barbecue, <laughs> you know, and I referred her to Gary. I had Gary interview Devin. You know, I said, Gary, if you, I think this person might be good. What do you think? I didn't say, this is who I want to hire. I asked for his input. Mm -hmm. I, think it, I think it's crucial. I yeah. think you have to... You have to encourage people, and if you squelch them, then then you're not going to get their best effort. I just think the team you've put together is phenomenal. I thank you so much for being on the show. The reason I wanted you on the show is because I'm so impressed with your efforts. You know, you told me you were going to produce this play. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I just didn't believe you because I thought producing a play off-Broadway was too difficult, and I've been in so many plays that wanted to be in a venue like the Signature and that wanted to have a life after their regional theater um, experience. Yeah. And it never happens. No. So I rare. didn't believe you at all. <laughs> and you proved me so freaking wrong. And, you know, you really pulled this thing up the hill. And I'm so impressed with you. You know, it, it's it's been just... I don't know. I've been so inspired because I've watched one person just bring together this energy and sort of like a um, started little tornado around yourself <laughs> so that all these people have like, we've gotten swept up in this really yes. you're extremely positive energy every single day, every day that I see you. He always gives me a kiss on the cheek and <laughs> he's always happy. He always dances. He's such, he's thrilled to be doing this amazing work. And I really hope that you guys will come and see this work because um, we're hit. People like it, and I think you will enjoy it, and you will get to experience the, um, the efforts of Ezra Barnes. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Roz. Thank you. I would say one thing. It all starts with a play. It was a great play, and that's why, that's why I could believe in it because I felt like the play needed to be seen in New York, and, th and that gave me the energy. It is a phenomenal play. You know, it, the play really had me hung up in um, in knots for for a few weeks because um, in this particular production, because I was like, I don't know where I stand. Mm. I don't know where I stand because the play asks such big questions, mm -hmm. and it really caused me 
to open up my thinking about us in the world, mm. us as people in the world, and how how do we govern and how do we rule each other and how do we build wealth and how do we share our resources mm-hmm. as as a people, as a as a race, as the human race. And it really caused me to ask myself big questions that I hadn't asked before. And I think that any time a play puts those things in front of you as an actor, as an audience, that it is doing its job. Yeah. And yeah. so it's an extraordinary play. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally second everything you say. Yay! Yay. Thank you, Ezra. <laughs> Thank you, Rosalind. <laughs>